Good morning, and welcome to the GamecocksGroup.com podcast. I'm Caleb Alexander. I'm joined by Alan Cole. Uh, GamecocksGroup.com is the Gamecock affiliate for Rivals.com, so definitely go over, check us out. We already have several articles reviewing the site, some more, co- I mean, reviewing the game from last night, um, several more coming throughout the day. Uh, but yeah, we're going to give our quick reaction to South Carolina's 56 to 20 win over the Charlotte 49ers, which I never figured out how to hashtag, by the way, we talked about that the other day. Um, I just went with hashtag Charlotte and hashtag 49ers sometimes, and I'm sure it got lost in the sea of things that were completely unrelated to the game, but that's okay. Um, yeah. So what are your, your broad strokes reactions to this one, Alan? I mean, Obviously, the run game, Marshawn Lloyd was. <laughs> I mean, he's gonna. He's probably playing all over Sports Center this morning. I haven't watched it oh yet, my but God. that's. I mean, that hurdle last night. That would have been the touchdown that made a 10-7 South Carolina on the opening snap of the second quarter. Um, jeez, dude, that was. I've the seen thing some is, cool stuff, but yeah. yeah, I was gonna say the thing is, I've seen hurdles and stuff like that before, right? But usually, the DB goes low. He's maybe even right. gone down on his knees or whatever. He's trying to make a uh, lower body tackle. Honestly, Marshawn Lloyd jumped a full five and a half feet in the air or something yeah. like to get over that guy. I mean, he, he dipped his shoulder a little bit. He didn't jump over a six foot person, but it, he might as well. It was pretty close. It's, it was one of the more impressive things I've ever seen. Yeah. And then after the hurdle keeps his balance, he's like 10 ish yards in the end zone at that point, finishes off the play with the score. Um, I just, yeah. I guess my main, Y'all good out there? Like after the last two weeks, like you feel better? Can you take a breath? Nobody else got injured last night in the game. They won by 36. Like I realized it wasn't perfect. We'll probably get into a couple things with the defense in a bit, I'm sure. But y'all good just for a week <laughs> or at least for a day. Yeah. No uh no punts at all. Uh yeah. the only drives that didn't end in points were turnovers. Um Luke Luke Doty threw an interception and then an unfortunate uh, fumble from Rashad Amos around the goal line. So, I mean, that that probably would have ended in another touchdown as well. Um, So, yeah, I mean, we talked about this being a get-right game, an exorcism of the demons or whatever. Maybe for the first half didn't feel that way at all times, although I thought the offense kind of came out with a plan and looked good the whole time. And then the defense um, made some adjustments. So one thing that we talked about, going into the week and going into both of these games is we wanted to know what the offensive identity of South Carolina is when they can do whatever they want. And it seems like what they want to do is run the ball and take, take the game kind of out of Rattler's hands, which is something the broadcast mentioned last night that they, that he essentially was a game manager last night, which. Oh, did they? I didn't even know that. Yeah. Um, Which kind of worked though. So like, is that the strategy going forward as you head into the SEC schedule? Do you just try to continue to ride uh, the run game and then, you know, let, let Rattler kind of um, manage it and then make some shorter throws. I mean, he did make maybe like one throw down the field to Marion Brown that I remember. Um, but for the most part, it was handball off. Tunnel screens. Bubble screens. Just, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, that could be. I think it's more just what do you have to do? This is something Beamer said too. I actually kind of asked him about identity and narrowing the playbook down after the game. He... It's more about whatever works that week. Charlotte's look. We said it Thursday. I think anything they could have tried this week was going to work. If Spencer had thrown it forty times, it probably would be sitting here talking about how well he played. Um, that's a really bad defense on the other side of the ball. Um, 
But yeah, they ran the ball 40 times. The Arkansas game where they were facing a team down at starting safety and nickel, that was a game where they threw it more than any other this year. I think that was probably Spencer's best game of the year, other than last night in a different way, I guess. So it's I think it's more the games where you have an advantage at the line of scrimmage or where you feel like maybe you don't have an advantage on the perimeter for secondary versus receivers, whatever. Yeah, I think you're going to see a lot of run the ball. And honestly, even against Georgia, I mean, you were in the box with me. There were a couple plays where like shoestring tackles on Lloyd and Juju McDowell could have broken bigger. I do think the running game might be starting to click, but you have a game like last night where you rush for six touchdowns. I think everyone's probably feeling better about it now. Yeah, and specifically the counterplay seems to have been working pretty much anytime they've run it throughout the exactly. season. Yeah, I don't know if you watched um, but he said they basically just ran counters all night. That's an actual quote. Yeah, and it seems like that's kind of where Lloyd um, is most comfortable too, because he can use his vision to kind of find that little backside hole, um, which he did, like you said, a couple of times against Georgia and just barely got caught. Um, so. Yeah, I mean, I think that they need to continue to establish the run game, take some pressure off of Rattler. We, I mean, the coaches have talked throughout the season, and we've talked throughout the season that um, when he feels like the weight of the game is on his shoulders, he kind of presses, does too much. Um, so maybe that's a way to sort of keep him playing within the system, and then uh, maybe it can branch out from there because obviously you're not going to be able to have the same level of rushing success that you had against Charlotte tonight every single week. I mean... They were ranked like 128th in total defense or something heading into this game. I, they might be even worse now. Um, so, uh, yeah, you're you're definitely not going to see that every single week. Now, if I am going to give one criticism of Rattler in the offense, um, I, I wrote this in my rapid reaction. Right before the half, you had another sort of like mental mistake, which didn't cost you in this game because it's Charlotte, but would have costed you potentially uh, in a closer SEC game where you have this pretty good two minute drill going. You they take over on their own nine with you know a minute forty five, a minute fifty, something like that, um, and get the ball to midfield. Um, so, namely, he hit Amari Brown on like a twenty six yard pass or something. But neither he nor the offensive staff realized that Amari Brown didn't get out of bounds, and so the clock's just running. Rattler's not really in any sort of uh, urgency and about you know, 15, 20 seconds run off the clock before he snaps the ball and then he gets sacked and then they have to use the timeout. So you end up second and 18 um, and you've lost like 25 or 30 seconds right. of, of game clock in a two-minute drill. So uh, ultimately got a, got a field goal out of that because Jalen Brooks bailed him out on the next play. But I mean, who's to say that wouldn't have happened anyway? And then you have 30 extra seconds to play with to try to get a touchdown instead of having to settle for a field goal. Yeah, also shout out Josh Van on the Jalen Brooks reception. He threw a big time block um, to kind of spring Brooks to get down the sideline. Uh, yeah, that's really the only thing I'm going to fault the offense for last night. I mean, they scored on their first eight possessions. Um, the goal line play calling was a little wonky. We saw two of those like bootleg things. And I think Satterfield trying to get a little too smart there instead of just running the ball that was working. That was the third and goal on the first series to settle for a field goal and the first and goal on the second series, which I think the play went down, made it down to like the five. Um, other than, I mean, they scored 56, scored on the first eight possessions. Christian Beale Smith, we haven't seen much of at all this year. He had one snap against Arkansas and I think five carries against Georgia, took the ball nine times last night, 55 yards, two touchdowns. Um, he is on the board as a game talk now. 
Uh, Corey Rucker is on the board as a Gamecock now. He played for the first time all season last night. Oh, right behind it. There you go. Background. <laughs> um, Corey Rucker got in there on the last drive of the game. Uh, Luke Doty was in a quarterback by then. He a 52-yard touchdown down the right sideline. Rucker kind of burns his man, finds a little pocket of space. Doty put a great ball on him. Um, so I guess you saw the new faces get in there a little bit too. And yeah, I mean, it's hard to complain about the offense scoring 56 and putting up almost 600 yards. Yeah. I mean, if you're a South Carolina fan, even though this is a, uh, inferior opponent, definitely an inferior defense next week should be some, some more of the same. Uh, you have to just hope that this rhythm that the offense is sort of getting into starts to carry over, starts to build some confidence, um, and then applies against some some better defenses because we've talked all season that there's talent in these all in these skill positions. Obviously, Rattler's talented, um, but it just hasn't been coming together. So maybe just having these two sort of warm up games, which you would have you know liked to have before you got into the meat of your SEC schedule early on, um, maybe these two warm up games kind of get them on track and, and keep it going. You did mention the red zone offense and yeah, that, that was still something that I thought was a little bit of a struggle. I mean, the Marshawn Lloyd scored the first touchdown from 25 yards out, kind of did that all himself with the hurdle. Um, and then they finally did score a red zone touchdown, but it took fourth and goal, uh, right. before, um, Christian Bill Smith punched it in from, from one yard out on fourth and goal. Um, so, you know, it, it just, it does sort of feel like whatever their plan is down there isn't particularly working. This goes all the way back to the off season, right? Like the first scrimmage they talked about having red zone struggles. So I do think once, you know, they're playing against uh, a better defense and that field so short down there, they are going to have to figure out some other stuff that's working. Yeah. I guess if you talk about things, the offense too, and this goes back to the early part of the game as well, because once the, I don't know, I guess the skins were greased, for lack of a better term, in the second half. That was just going to hand the ball to Marshawn, hand the ball to CBS, hand the ball to Juju. That's your whole playbook, basically. But, again, and it's a little bit unfair because they did have the Lloyd play on the first play of the second quarter. But, again, no first quarter touchdown. That's four weeks in a row. That's that's an entire game's worth of fourth quarters now. You've played four of them, 60 minutes of football. They've been outscored 28-6 to six in the first quarter. Um, it was 7-3 in Charlotte at the end of the first last night. Um, slow starts again. I that's something I wrote about during the week. That's something we both talked about a lot. Something Shane Beamer's talked about. I don't really know what to do with that other than just eventually they're going to score a first quarter touchdown. But it, it was a thing again last night. Yeah, the 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 first quarter sort of was interesting because it went very quickly. Um, I think South Carolina was on their second offensive drive when yeah. the first quarter ended. Seven-minute um, drive for Charlotte on their touchdown. So really, I mean, they did what they could with the time that they were given on offense because um, they ran the ball so much so the clock was running. And then Charlotte was kind of dinking and dunking and keeping the clock moving um, as well. So, you know, just the little caveat there. But you're right. It was, it was still a little bit of a slow start. Um, we haven't talked too much about the defense yet, but I thought the defense obviously started very slow. Um, we talked throughout the week that Charlotte's quarterback, uh, he's a super senior um, Reynolds, he's completing like 70% of his passes heading into this game or whatever, that he's solid and he can make some stuff happen. And he did uh, throughout much of the first half, especially when he had time. One of the things that um, I, I wouldn't even call it an adjustment. It just seems like they, or maybe they adjusted the particular blitz scheme, but they were blitzing pretty much this whole game from, from the word go. Um, but Charlotte burned them on screen passes 
really throughout the game, but just especially in the, the first quarter, uh, first and second quarter. But um, after that, defense finally started getting some hits on Reynolds, and that's where it seemed like things kind of opened up, forced a couple interceptions. Um, it seemed like maybe he was uh, hobbled a bit after taking a couple of those hits. and He didn't you know, finish the it, game. Yeah, um, which I, I don't think that he like got knocked out of the game. I think after he threw that second interception, it was pretty clear that the game was over at that point. So right. they they pulled him to protect him from taking any more hits. But um, yeah, that was something that um, you have to applaud the defense for stepping up after struggling early um, and finally figuring out how to dial up that pressure and force some force some mistakes. Yep, you you go back and watch his interceptions, three of them, by the way, on three straight drives after one the entire first three games of the season. Um, it's pressure forcing the rush throw. Um, it's Brad Johnson in on one of them. Or no, Brad Johnson was in on the one that was ruled incomplete because it had an interception that I think it was D.Q. Smith. It hit yep. the ground in the second quarter. Um, Gilbert Edmond had a really good second half. He had his first sack of the year. He was in on the pressure on um, I think the first the second trail of interception. Um I saw Brian Thomas Jr. was credited. I don't I didn't see the replay, so I don't know if maybe the stat book got it wrong, but Brian Thomas Jr. was credited with a um hurry on one of the interceptions yep. as well, which um he, he played a little bit in the second half too on that D sort of edge position. So we'll, it'd be interesting to see if they continue to try to mix him in as well. Oh, that's the only other note, I guess. It wasn't an in-game injury, but Shane Beamer did say after the game that on Thursday in practice, Terrell Dawkins got hurt, that he had surgery on Friday, he's going to miss. Beamer said at least a month, could be up to six weeks, was what he said after the game. Um, they are pretty thin at defensive end right now. Can you add that to the Jordan Strawn injury? Um, and you might see guys, more guys like that. You might see more Tyreek Johnson, too. Um, obviously, the onus is really on Burch and Edmund now. Um, that's the only other note injury-wise. Oh, but on the defense... They were, they were safety rotating pretty much a whole second half as part of adjustments. You saw some different looks. You saw some of R.J. Roderick and Nicky Minwari playing together, which in theory that wouldn't be a thing because they're both at that free safety spot. They were just kind of going without a strong safety. You saw some of Roderick and Devonnie Reed, which was the pairing they went into the season thinking they were going to have. And you saw some of Reed and Minwari. So you saw kind of all three possible pairings there. I think on three straight drives they rotated it out, but I'd have to go back and watch. Um, and you saw, I, I think I saw a little bit of Cam Smith kind of playing over the top too. I know that's something our film guy, Perry McCarty is probably going to eat up this week if he sees it, but they were definitely trying a lot of different things over the top and kind of with secondary positioning, uh, safety rotation in the second half, even while the game was still close. Um, and it had much better results there. Yeah. I mean, the, the secondary definitely struggled in the first, uh, half there were three or four defensive uh, pass interference penalties, two of them on Cam Smith um, that kind of extended drives. And then uh, Reynolds, the quarterback for Charlotte, was definitely finding some space in the zone there over over the middle. Um, but yeah, once you got that pressure dialed in and it also seemed like the DBs, whatever rotations they were working out, finally um, figured out what they wanted to do. The defense sort of settled in and took care of business there. Um, I do, I I do think that maybe Roderick looked a little bit better in coverage than Reed, but then Reed is also a little bit more of a heavy hitter. Um, he he broke up a pass late in the third quarter, um, where Reynolds kind of like 
dropped it over the middle and the receiver just got abused by Reed on that one. The, the announcers were like, uh, maybe you don't throw that. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, whatever rotation they, they had going seemed to work. And I, I do think, I mean, Roderick's very experienced. Um, I do think Eamon Warrior is maybe more physically talented. Um, obviously he's had a great season thus far, but I do think they'll probably continue to work him in and, um, He's pretty good in coverage. So, Yeah, I think it's just about getting your best 11 on the field, whatever that looks like. And right now you've got three decent to very good options at safety, depending on how you want to stack those three guys up. Um, yeah, and I think especially giving looks, getting different looks, changing things for the offense you're seeing. Um, Cam Smith kind of rolling over there, like I said. Um, it did, I don't know if confusion is the right word, because you didn't have nearly as much time to throw in the second half, but it did look like there maybe was some confusion from the Charlotte offense in the second half. Just some of the different looks they were starting to see in that secondary. Um, and they locked down. I mean, other than the one touchdown drive after it was already, I guess it would have been 49-14 at that point. Um, they didn't give up points after the first two drives other than that one. Honestly, I really like the way that Clayton White called this game really from the jump. Um, it was just a couple of those screens that didn't get, get covered um, that kind of burned them early on. But um, I noted on maybe like the, it was sometime in the first drive that South Carolina was showing blitz, um, on like second long, a, a couple of different times. And that was causing the O-line to, you know, like mess with their assignments a little bit, but then they often only rush like four, just the four down linemen, or, or maybe they would drop a D end or something, uh, into coverage or into the flat. But I, I thought that that was kind of interesting that it did seem like it was confusing Charlotte's offense, whether or not people were going to be coming or, or not. And I, I feel like they kind of kept them off balance the whole game in that, in that respect. And then, yeah, once they finally started getting hits on the quarterback, everything started to come together. Yeah. And that's, again, that's not a perfect third down uh, defensive game, but third downs we haven't talked about yet, but Charlotte started the game seven for seven on third downs, which if you hooked that into last week, that would have made opponents, 12 for the last 16 on third downs against South Carolina at one point because Georgia converted more than half of theirs as well. Um, but the last um, the last seven third downs, Charlotte only converted one of them. Um, the game kind of turned, I think, on that sequence near midfield late in the second quarter. It was 17-14 South Carolina. Charlotte already converted a couple third downs on that drive because Charlotte was going in for a score at the half in the lead and they were getting the ball out of halftime too. That's mm -hmm. that middle A coaches always talk about, right? Uh, South Carolina gets a stop. I thought they had the pick. That was the one where the ball was um, on the ground. Get the stop. They get their first third down stop of the game. That sets up the two-minute drill, which, again, wasn't perfect, but Spencer did get the offense in the field goal range, tacked on three. Momentum back on South Carolina's side, I guess, going into halftime at that point, and they get the stop coming out of, um, out of halftime, go down and score again to make it 27-14. At that point, the game was – probably over given the talent differential and what Charlotte was up against. Yeah, definitely a tale of two halves uh, for the defense. Um, like you said, they started seven of seven on, on third down. And that is something that's still going to be a concern uh, as you go up against better teams throughout, the, throughout the season, you got to find. And one thing I noted in my rapid reaction is, you know, a lot of the third down struggles have been because on first and second down, the teams that they've been playing have been churning away some yards. And so it's been a lot of third and shorts, but they gave up four third and 10 pluses in that stretch um, in the first quarter. And three of them were, were screen passes, like I said. So 
definitely gotta <laughs> i mean i i'm all for bringing the pressure stuff but you gotta make sure that someone's watching that running back leak out because no one was there uh they did they didn't stop it on either even in the second half i think they they converted one on on one third and long on a screen pass again um one thing that you mentioned that we haven't really talked about and i didn't really write about mitch cheater man he just keeps being <laughs> he just keeps doing his thing he hasn't missed a field goal yet right no he hasn't yeah. i thought that was a pretty clean special teams game they had the swinging gate i guess like two-point conversion too I think that was in the touchdown that made it 28-14. Yeah. Uh, that was Trayvon Canyon catching another pass in special teams after a fake punt last week, or fake punt catch, I guess, last week. Um, they didn't have to punt, though, so I guess you can't really evaluate anything in that respect. Um, yeah. But it was a clean special teams game. And yeah, that, Van- that's the closest they've gone to. Oh, I forgot Josh Van, the punt return. Yeah. He almost, yeah, it got called back, but he, he he returned one to the house like 75 yards or something like that. Yeah. Um, which is too bad because he still is not really getting involved on offense and it would have been nice for him to to get that uh i believe he had one catch early but, in the game. but that one got overturned it was a, no, yeah no. it was on the sideline he kind of like juggled it as he was falling it was the first i think it was might have been the first drive of the game actually yeah um and then after that he didn't have another catch um but also, yeah. nobody had more than three catches last night. There was, it wasn't like the Arkansas game where you saw Antoine Wells going off and is the clear number one. They moved the ball around pretty well last night to everybody when they were throwing it. Yeah, yeah, Rattler definitely, definitely spread it around. I guess you would say Jalen Brooks had the best receiving game uh, of right. the Pablo receivers, but even he only had what three catches or something. Three catches. Um, one of them was that big burst um, right before halftime, just after the field goal. Yeah, so one thing that I am interested to see next week, which we can get into here in a second, um, is, yes, obviously you can run against these teams that are inferior to you. Although, to uh, South Carolina's credit, we thought that their offensive line was going to be able to lean on Georgia State in the first game. They didn't tonight, or last night, they definitely were able to um, sort of impose their will. Granted, Charlotte's defensive line is probably not as good as Georgia State's defensive line, um, but still, you know, that's it's good to see that the offensive line at least looks like they are communicating and, and have a plan and know what they're doing instead of sort of looking lost like they did um, at times early in the season. Honestly, they've played pretty well over the last several games, especially compared to um, Georgia State and early in that Arkansas game. So see, they're kind of finding their rhythm, which they're going to have to. Um and, but I think that they do need to maybe try out the vertical passing game a little bit against SC State because that's still something to. that they're going to need, even though they're not going to need it. They didn't need it last night. They're not going to need it next week. They're going to need that as an option um, once they re-enter the SEC schedule. So I would like to see them at least test that in a scenario where they can next week. That's what I was going to ask. You've got you've got one more game this season that's non well non SEC or Clemson. Um, you know, one more game like this on the schedule. It's next Saturday, South Carolina State at home. What did you not see last night that you would still want to see before they have to pack the bags and go to Lexington for a real tough SEC game in two weeks? Is it yeah, just I a mean, vertical passing? I mean, that's definitely, yeah, a big part of it um, would just be a vertical passing game. And, I mean, more consistency on defense, a, a quicker start. would be nice to see a quick sure. start next week. We can say that every um, week, yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, otherwise, I think you feel about as good about last night as you can. Um, they definitely settled in in the second half, but you got to get that going 
much earlier uh, against SEC opponents. Yeah, for, I mean, that's – I'm not going to beat a dead horse. I've written about it so much on the website. We've talked about it so much here. But if you're down 21-3 at Kentucky like you were at Arkansas, you're just probably not winning. Um, you got to get off to a quicker start in that game. We'll talk Kentucky on Kentucky week. Um, it's South Carolina State week now. Um, I think other, other than that, it's just getting healthier. We saw pretty much everybody back last night almost. David Spalding didn't play. I did see him in warm-ups. He was kind of going through with his teammates. He was doing some, like, I don't know, I guess you'd call it light jogging with the, with the other DBs like an hour and a half before kickoff, but he wasn't in uniform. Um, you mentioned the vertical passing. If you Maybe you see more from Corey Rucker next week than you did just the late catch today. Maybe you stick because – as cool, I guess, as that was, that was still a Luke Doty connection. You haven't seen Rucker and Spencer connect with anything yet, which is something you probably want to get going before SEC play. Um, and yeah, go ahead. No, you're good. I was I was gonna start to uh, maybe talk a little bit about SEC State. I mean, yeah. I know our listeners probably don't want too deep of an, <laughs> an analysis of SEC State, um, but yeah, last they're coming off of a um, win over. They the... lost last night. Yeah, no, I'm, I meant like last season. They're coming off of a win over Jackson State, which earned them the uh, historically black college universities uh, national championship. Um, but yeah, they are not really a threat, I don't think, to South Carolina. And if they are, then you got some pretty big problems. Um, they have a quarterback, Corey Fields Jr., who um, is pretty mobile, but only completing about 50% of his passes over his career. You know, not much of a threat. It's kind of similar to Darren Granger from uh, Georgia State. In fact, probably not even as um, dual threat as he is. Um, running game is led by Kendrell Flowers, who is he had a good freshman campaign. It's looking good so far this year. Um, he's out of Irmo, South Carolina, so right in the backyard. So I'm sure he'll be motivated to have a big game. Um and then the defense is going to struggle, I think, to cover South Carolina's receivers. Um, they graduated two DBs last year. One's playing for the Rams now, um, so pretty pretty talented guy. Um, so, yeah, I, I think South Carolina, again, can probably do whatever they want on offense. And I think if you're trying to get Spencer Adler into a rhythm before you get into the rest of the the schedule maybe next week's the week to try to do that yeah and i mean you talk about SEC defense they gave up 41 i think it was in north carolina a t last night i was a 41 27 game if i'm not mistaken um they're one and two on the year um they're one and one at the fcs level they beat bethune cookman the week before but they did lose they, their other game against an fbs opponent was at ucf in week one they lost 56 to 10 down in orlando um you can do what you want with that in terms of, bar of a barometer against FBS competition. Um, look, this is your last. Uh, this is your last buy game. This is your last chance to get things figured out. This is your last chance to get healthy before SEC play. Uh, we'll talk about it more during the week, I'm sure. But whatever you need to see before you have to play Kentucky and I guess Texas A&M, everybody else, you need to see it next week. Um, and I would agree with you that probably comes back to seeing. I don't want to complain about Spencer's performance. There were some people on the message board doing that last night. And I just can't get that for the life of me. He didn't make a mistake, really. He was 17 for 23. Like, kind of just kept everything on schedule for the offense. Like, fine. But you probably ideally would see a little bit more down the field against South Carolina State. Yeah, I mean, I do think that it seems like 
through the first half of the season, at least. If South Carolina is going to be successful, it might be through the run game and then allowing him to sort of bail you out uh, at times if, if necessary, which wasn't really ever necessary last night. Um, but I don't know that the path to success is what we saw against Arkansas or Georgia, where you just come out trying to sling it. Um, it seems like he... I mean, maybe at some point um, he's going to have one of those, you know, former Heisman front runner sort of games um, and, you know, maybe shock uh, some team that's that's not expecting it. Um, But it seems like the more consistent route might be to continue to lean on that run game and then let him be kind of the change of pace. Yeah, I would agree with that. And again, it. It was a turnover-free game too. I think that's worth mentioning. We got We talked a lot about Spencer's mistakes. Um, I don't. Other than the clock thing, I don't think he made one last night. I don't think there was any bad decision type of thing last night. He was getting the ball out quick on those screen passes. The, you know, the horizontal stuff. Uh, the throw to Marion Brown was beautiful. I mean, the yeah. the one. I know the clock thing happened after that, but that was a strike into a tight window. The throw to Josh Van, which unfortunately Van couldn't bring down. Um, couldn't complete the catch, but that was into a tight window as well, kind of other side of the field across his body to the sideline. Um, yeah, I, I, I think that's a game he can build on for sure. Uh, I don't know how much he's going to be asked to build on it next week. Yeah, it's so funny. I, I mentioned this in the, the rapid reaction on GameCoxGroup.com, which you can go check out. Um, every game that he's had like a weird mental thing, it's always immediately following a really good play so i mean last night you said he he dropped a perfect pass into the bread basket of amari and brown and then yeah doesn't realize that he goes out of bounds isn't looking or doesn't go out of bounds i mean isn't looking at the clock i guess and just kind of leisurely letting 20 seconds tick off um, i will say though i do put something on beamer on satterfield on whoever else on the sideline you had, they had three time out you had three timeouts yeah. exactly once yeah. you see the even if you can't see because that was the far sideline from them where amari and brown was so even if you can't see that he didn't get out of bounds immediately once you see the clock out once you see the clock rolling you know he didn't get out of bounds yeah uh, and that's something that again didn't come back to bite them now but against some of these closer games that they're still going to have throughout the season you need to manage the clock before the half you need to manage the clock at the end of the game um and they failed that test that's the first time really that they've um had an opportunity like that and it didn't didn't go super well um there was one other thing i, meant I had to one other mention. note too yeah go to ahead that. um go ahead. this is obviously you didn't want to see this last night against charlotte you don't want that against sc state either we still haven't seen this team in a close game it was ever okay i think it was a five-point game going to the fourth at arkansas but i believe arkansas scored on the first snap or second snap of the quarter and it was double digits the rest of the way and then georgia state georgia charlotte were all double digit games the entire fourth quarter I don't know what to do with that. That's one of those things you don't know how to, how they react till they get there. You certainly don't expect that or want that uh, against South Carolina State. But at some point, they're going to be in a close game in the fourth quarter. We just haven't seen how that looks yet. That'd be my only other note, I guess. Yeah. I mean, to their credit, both against Georgia State and against Charlotte, um, the inferior opponent tried to seize momentum early, uh, kind of was. And then South Carolina, to their credit, kind of just like, soldiered through um, and made sure that their talent one didn't get too caught up in the emotional um, impact that or not impact the emotional wave that the uh, upset minded G5 team was riding. 
um, and kind of clearly shut the door on them in the second half in both scenarios. So, I mean, that's encouraging uh, that it didn't end up a fourth quarter game, but you're right. There, there, there is going to be a point where they're going to have to win a close game. Uh, we'll have to see how that goes. Ideally, that means that they started fast enough to be in it in the second half. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Um, do you have anything um, else? No, I think that's that's pretty good. Um, you guys go check out GamecockScoop.com. We will have a Allen's article posted with the full quotes and stuff from last night, a little bit of analysis, got my rapid reaction, got the game story, got all the quotes from the players and um, Coach, and Coach Beamer last night. And then we'll have a live thread for Coach Beamer's Sunday teleconference later this evening. Got some baseball notes coming up. Um, I do. I went to the scrimmages. They played eight innings total for you fall baseball sickos out there who want to know how the team looks five months before games start. I got some notes for you. For yeah, so that'll, be, that'll be posted this evening for those of you that are just chomping at the bit for some baseball content right now. <laughs> um, we'll start. We'll keep reviewing the game with some film work and stuff for the next couple of days. And then we will start to preview SE State on the back half of the week. We'll hop back on here on Thursday. Let's call it uh, two or three o'clock and you're welcome to join us as we go live. Leave us some comments on uh, YouTube or Twitter or whatever, and we'll answer questions. You can pop over to GameCracksGroup.com. I have a weekly Ask Caleb thread. You can ask some questions there and I'll answer you. Um, but yeah, until next time, this has been the GameCracksGroup.com podcast with Alan Cole and Caleb Alexander. See ya.